0: B-Ball Referees and Referee Rant present to you the Foundations of Officiating, a 13-part series brought to you by Bernard Bowen Sr. and myself. This is in the same vein of our Referee Roundtable and our virtual camp, A Camp About a Camp. In it, we go through some of the attributes of what it takes to be a good referee to elevate to the highest levels possible. Our first subject matter, communication, one of the cornerstones of being a good official on and off the court. Be sure to check out at least two drops a week and expect something special up our sleeves. And now, Tales from the Third Team.
1: Welcome
0: to another edition of Tales from the Third Team. I'm Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest making his debut on Tales from the Third Team, um, New York City assigner, as well as uh, IABO Board 42 member, um, person of, of many talents, including mentor to many, including myself, Mr. Bernard Bowen Sr. How are you, my friend?
2: I am doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. So we've been in touch. Uh, this is a project that we kind of had a brainchild of it um, earlier in the year, I'd say around October. And now that we have a lot of time, we've been brainstorming together. And we came to figure out that we're going to connect this with the Referee Roundtable and we're going to call it Foundations of Officiating. I wanted to make it like an audio piece on top of an ebook for everyone to consume because I think this is valuable information that I would like for you know, a lot of people to be able to consume it and really digest it, especially at this time of, of uncertainty. Um, first one that we're going to go through is communication. Uh, it's very important. It's something that we're all working on remotely now. Um, unless you have the fortunate circumstance to, I guess, meet up with one ref one on one, you know. I know me and Bernard. Normally, I take pride in all of the podcasts that I do. I would have came to Walden, New Yorker. Uh, we would have met somewhere in the city, something face to face. That's something that I cherish. Um, you know. So since this is based on communication, what do you think about how communication is now, especially during the the, the COVID pandemic? Do you think that um, do you think it's a good thing? that we communicate only this way? Do you think that um, it's opened up a new side of, of, of officiating in terms of communication? Well,
2: personally, I think uh, it's a, another way of uh, communicating in, in the way of basketball. Uh, officials communicate sometime without even being in a location. You know, some people communicate because of their body language, but where we are now and the things that we're going through and the being able to have the zoom way of bringing things in in chat rooms and conferences, you know, and Facebook and things like that. I mean, all of this stuff has been another way of communicating through the basketball community and being able to set up something as a round table. For me, uh, I thought of it as another vehicle that the referees stay in tuned and also work on something, what we call our communication skills. And sometimes your communication skills can come from just listening, you know, and sometimes you have to interact, you know, when to interact, you know. So now, when you get five or six and seven, 20 people on a line, the person who is may make a statement, somebody's listening to that statement. And that statement or conversation tailors for other feedback. And as you're hearing that feedback, you're growing. You're not just growing, a group is growing. So as we are officials and we're learning how to become better officials, we're learning how to communicate. We got to learn how to be patient in our communications. If sometimes it's just like a game, you got a double whistle. You have a double whistle. Who's going to do the talking? You know, which referee? How do you present yourself? So now you have two people on a phone line on a podcast, and the lines are open. Do we respectfully listen to? as we may call the the referee or the umpire, you know, do we jump in? How do we allow ourselves to respectfully listen to someone else speak? And then as you do that, you see your patients have taught you how to communicate better. So it's always, to me, it's important to start a conversation in a positive, uh, to acknowledge a conversation, uh, to be able to elaborate in that conversation. So, you know, when you learn how to communicate, it's all about all of those little pockets that's bringing it all together. So communication at this juncture, where we are, is just another tool that we have to, to, to learn how to use better. Uh, we learn how to use it you know more wisely and And I believe that more officials that get used to it, because now you're talking in front of a camera. you're not talking to in front of an audience. You're talking to your fellow officials. You're seeing them up close. You know, uh, your facial expression. You get to see how you look when you're saying it. All of those things is just like when you're talking about going in the window. I mean, going in the mirror. You go in the mirror and you pop your whistle. You come out and you sell your call. How do you look? You know, so now you're sitting down in a podcast that everybody is sitting around a table with a round table going on and and You're looking like, are you really into it? Are your shoulders up? It's the same scenario. So you got that communication has to show that you are engaged, just like saying to a referee when you go to a game, you run up and down the court. Are you engaged? You know, uh, when you blow your whistle, uh, somebody asks you a question, can you explain it? So here's a different way of doing it, but I think it's an important part of the referee community, and I, I'm, I'm gonna look forward to doing it
0: tomorrow. 1,000%, and we're obviously going to intertwine some of those stories within these foundations of officiating, um, but you know, something that you touched upon on episode 182 of The Rant, the third installment of when you have appeared, um, the way you were explaining communication was very interesting because when you think about the lens of if you're going to a camp, right, sometimes they only get into the guts of your communication skills on the court. They never think about the off-court communication of when you speak to referees or when you talk to administration, and even how do you conduct yourself on a podcast? How do you conduct yourself on an email? What's the syntax? So I thought it was very interesting that you delve deep into, you know, communication in its totality of officiating, because some of those things they aren't as glaring of a of a important thing to be in your toolbox. So having said that. What do you think your definition is of communication just as a whole in your life and how does it apply in officiating?
2: Well, I think the first thing you have to do is look at yourself and your body language speaks. The first thing people see is you, Uh, your projection. Uh, When you greet someone, eye contact, handshake, today's maybe a fist bump, you know, uh, when somebody asks you a question, do you look at them eye to eye? If somebody tells you something you're doing, you know, uh, that, that you may be doing in an incorrect way, how do you perceive what they're saying and be able to elaborate back in a positive way? So all of those different, you know, scenarios that come up about learning how to when you leave a game. I've always talked about officials sitting in, in, in parks or gymnasiums and they're watching a game. And that you're not talking about, I like this or I like that. It's like, I don't like this and I don't like. So your communication skills are negative. So those negatives that you carry is going to go with someone else. So when you start to think of it as an official and you're thinking about communicating, you always want to communicate in a positive. You want to, even if something is wrong, turn it into a positive. So you can always explain to someone if you raise your hand a little bit What? you know, a little bit higher or if you popped your whistle a little bit louder, if you ran out a little bit, you know, to the table and you gave your signals, people will see it a little bit. You're more sharper. But when you when you come together and people see you after a game, do you speak the same way? Do you communicate in the same way? And that's how some people are always perceived, as that official's always frustrated, or that official's already always upset. And then when you meet that official, off the court and you say this guy's always telling jokes he's a smiling guy now you get on the court and you're like you're like the ball of fire so all of those things people see so when they see you in different moments it's a good way to me to build your character and your communication skills on and off the court so they marry each other so when people see you they see you in the light of a good communicator a good person that can get out there and handle business handle responsibility teach someone else, share their knowledge, be a mentor. And I think that's a good way of looking at communication.
0: Mm. You know, Kerry and her podcast, Kerry Donahue, uh, CEO of Magbo, she was discussing how referees are very reluctant for change. And, you know, you talk about the communication of how it probably once was when when you were there um, officiating out there, Soul in the Hole and all the New York City playgrounds. Um, you probably got your assignments via telephone or maybe you saw you saw your assigner um, but things are different now they have arbiter you know we we use different types of medium and she was talking about a story how a lot of the college referees one time when she was at a meeting they were very reluctant to embrace um, email which I find interesting because that's oftentimes that's pretty the 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 choice of medium of how we we communicate with our assigners and and fellow officials, that's like standard operating procedure at this moment in time. Do you think that officiating is always quick? Not quick, sh- should I say? Not quick to adapt uh, certain ways and mediums of communication. Because I also think, like even the podcast alone, I think it's still a taboo for a lot of the older generations of the assigners and and all the older refs. Some of them, they're reluctant to speak. And I don't know. It's because of the communication that they've learned from the previous generation. Whereas, you know. Now I think this is a perfect time to have a communication with coaches and players. And it's not because I'm going to have any preferential treatment when I'm refing with them. Um, but it's more so just to have the open lines of communication where they can understand where referees coming from, where that probably uh, was a, something that wasn't afforded to them before. So do you think that referees have a tough time adopting new forms of communication?
2: Well, this is what I'm going to say. And because, again, with my own, as you- i've told my story going from basketball to the corporate america and understanding the business side of things and understanding that emails was a line of communication to me when i teach officiating when i do my camps i show the importance of that's another line of communication see because it's so imperative for you to be able to be in touch because we walk with a computer all of our phones are computers now there are a lot of officials who are reluctant to want to do emails. And some of it comes from hesitation of not wanting to make changes. Some come from I don't want to document information. And to me, as we would say, as we're growing in this business and as a new official, I always emphasize the fact of sending emails. I always emphasize the fact that when you get a schedule, you reconfirm. Because to me, it just shows that, one, you're, you're accessible. You, two, is that you have a line of communication, even without it being verbal or being without it being a phone call. You know, So if you have to be able to send out an email and tell someone something, you can always follow up with a phone call. But the things in the, in the way that we're living today and the times that we're in, between... An email and a text and then a verbal conversation, you have three choices to make. But one of the things that I would tell folks at my referee camps a lot of times is learn your assigner. In the corporate world is learn your boss. Mm. If your boss is going into and he's a he's an email reader, your boss may be a guy who so says just come to my office and tell me what's going on. But if he sends you an email, you gotta send him back an email. So as an assigner, if I send you an email, I expect you to reply to the email. And and it's maybe I can't talk, but I can type. And because I can type, you should courtesy to give me a, a text back or confirmation back. We need to understand that we are moving as officials. Remember, I remember when it was a two-man game. You know, we moved to a three-person. You you see the, the G League was trying out four officials on a game. So there are changes. Uh, I was on a conference call talking about post-game reports, you know, and officials have to be able to elaborate what happened and what time and, and things like that. And one of the things I'm going to do at one of our roundtables is I'm going to talk about, you know, post-game reports and how to put them in a the documentation form and how to actually fill them out. And that's going to be something to me to enhance a, a new official to get used to doing it. Because all of those different lines of communication takes you to another level because you are in an era today that documentation is important. And if you're able to be getting documentations given to you and you can reply back, that takes you to another level. That makes you a a referee, not an umpire.
1: Mm.
2: You understand? Because those are different things that you got to look at that's taking the game to another level. So where do you want to take your game? You want to take your game to the next level. And communication via text, via email, in a timely manner, makes you that unique individual as a official.
0: Mm. Now, you know, it's not that we want to name names or anything like that, but I know that you have a bevy of different anecdotes of where we can color what communication really means out in the field. Uh, so having said that, if there was any transgression of the foundation, meaning if somebody did not commit to a communication or... They, they found themselves in a situation where they should have communicated and they didn't, and then it cost them. Can you think of any stories from over your years where somebody didn't communicate correctly and it kind of cost them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I could share a story with you to a point where you uh, you have an official. He's looking for, like you said, we don't need to name names, but an official takes a game from me and then he takes a game from another assigner. Then he calls me to tell me a half an hour before the game he can't make it because he was doing a game at another location for another assigner and the person who was coming on after that canceled so that assigner told him you might as well stay there so t- to me that's first and foremost what you, what that person did was just showed the lack of professionalism you've been at my camps before you've heard me speak to officials i always talk about time management and giving giving yourself a leeway between games. Uh, you don't double dip, you know. If you're really taking this serious, you don't double dip and overlap a game within 20 minutes or a half an hour because you never know if the team is going to go into overtime. You don't know if a child may get hurt or, or, or someone gets hurt during the game, you know, so the game stops for a half an hour, you know. So you don't go ahead and do that. And then on top of that, you go take a game from an assigner tells you what to do and you're not looking at what you already made a commitment to doing mm. so now your communication skills with that assigner would have been to me would have been to call the assigner and say i'm over at john doe you know and john doe just asks me to do xyz and this is what happens can i stay and ask you if you had somebody that's close by most assigners that i take pride in doing is I know the community of where I'm signing people. So I know referees who may live in that pocket. And I say to anyone, if you're going to cancel because of something, be honest and upfront and communicate face face to face. Because by you doing that, the next week I have to take your games away. Now I'm the villain for for your lack of communication skills because now I'm gonna communicate back to you and say, I don't need you because at this end of the day, you just put me into a bind. My client that I'm assigning for, we're in a bind. Now, we look bad. So I don't have to tell you that you're fired. I don't have to tell you that you're never going to work again for me. But if you got two games next week, I may sit down and say to you, thanks, but I don't need you next week. And I'll say why I'm going to do that. I said I'm not taking you out the rotation, but I'm taking you off of those games. Mm. And I'm doing that because what you did was you took two games when you told me you didn't have any games, and that's being agreed. That's not showing professionalism. And we have to explain that so my communication skills were up front. And by me explaining the whole thing that I was doing up front, it made that person come back to me immediately and say, yo, I understand this, Bernard, and I apologize. And yes, you can have those two games back whenever you need me. I'm available to work for you, and it will never happen again.
1: Mm. You
2: know what? That's communication. And and we communicated because I explained to him how he could have handled it. I didn't just say, yo, you ain't never going to work for me again. I don't want to talk to you. No. no. I just told him that how you handled it was incorrect. Mm. And if you would have done it like A, B, and C, I would not have been. I could have found somebody that was been 20 minutes late, but the game would have been covered. But I'm finding out after that you stayed at another location and never covered again. So I have one official. So my client is upset and I have to listen to my client. So if my client is coming at me, I have to be what? My communication skills comes like what? Yes, I understand. You're totally correct. I have no excuse for it. I apologize. And so I'm doing that because at the end of the day, I don't really have to go back. Well, the guy was late and he was no. There's no excuse. You gave me a responsibility. I took it very serious. I gave that responsibility to someone who I took as serious as I as I took it. He took it. And if he chose to change it, he has to be able to communicate back to me why he can't. So those communication things, uh, people take it in a wrong uh, in a different context. If you take some. When you hear a guy gets a schedule taken from the NCAA or a guy takes his high school schedule. They don't tell you the other side of why it was taken. The only reason why people talk about an assigner is because maybe they're not getting games from that assigner any longer. But they don't know. They're not saying, well, the reason why that assigner took me out of his rotation was because every week I was late to the game.
1: Mm.
2: Or every time uh, and my communication skills with the commissioner of the league or with the coaches in the league was confrontational. So now the assigner has to be able to sit down and say, I can't use this referee in this particular environment because his communication skills. But my job as a professional, as an assigner, is to tell that official the reason why I'm taking you out of this environment is because of A, B, and C. Now, if you're willing to try it, I'm willing to try one more. And see, that's why no one can say to Bernard Bowen Sr., that I don't try to have a communication line with everyone because it's important for me to be able to communicate because I want somebody to communicate when I'm asking something. And if they can't communicate back to me and I'm giving it back to them, then there's a disconnect. And if that disconnect becomes part of my business or my clientele, then it's not not personal. It's just all about business.
0: Mm. The next question I wanted to ask is an interesting thing that I was thinking about while you've been speaking. And I find it too, there was a point where you were just an official and you kind of learned through the ropes. I know that you talked in your earliest episode about how you were in the Lawyers League, you were you were in the apartment, and you were working on the schedule. So you were already kind of getting groomed. But, you know, sometimes people become assigners unbeknownst to them. They kind of get thrust in that situation. And sometimes these are their peers and now they're in charge of I guess, dispersing games and distributing it evenly or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, well, I, I wanted to think, of, what I wanted to ask you is like, let's say hypothetically speaking, I become this assigner in Long Island and then all of a sudden, I don't know how to act. Like, what are the best tips for somebody that becomes a newly minted assigner? What are his best communication tips for his once used to be peers, still are peers, and then just for the rest of the referee community to have the best Foot forward in terms of communication?
2: First and foremost, I would tell you, you got to be humble. You got to be humble. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't lose focus on how you got that position. <coughs>
0: Excuse me. Uh,
2: I need to get a little water. Here, hold on. A second. Yeah,
0: it's cool. I'll edit this.
2: When I was in the lawyer's league and the commissioner or the owner saw me. <coughs> <coughs> The commissioner of the Lawyers League saw me officiating. He took a liking to me. And he also knew I was a banker. And he knew I knew numbers. And like you said, he groomed me. When I started doing scheduling. Uh, and you, when you start doing scheduling, you're managing people, you're managing an event, you're managing a, a, a game or whatever. Okay. And what transpired was it just took off, you know, to where I started doing Hoop It Up. I used to have every official, I had 75, 80 courts at one time on the streets in New York City. And I had referees from Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island, Brook, Jersey. And it just became like, hold on, my whole personality changed. These officials who worked with me saw me grow. Some of them were working before me, but I was their boss. I never felt like I was their boss. I felt like I was their, their teammate. I was just in a different role. And you as an assigner, which personally, I'm going to mark this as you're going to be assigning soon. You're going to be doing some camps in Long Island because your admiration for the game is a copycat of me. You're ambitious. You you enjoy sharing your knowledge. And it's nothing wrong with that. But you stay humble within yourself. Yeah. You know, because you are assigning something does not say that you can talk to people and communicate with people like they're beneath you. No, you communicate with them just as they are on your level at all times. And and I take pride in it to the point where I don't care if you're a new official or old official. I speak to you all the same way. If there's something that I can help you with, I'm going to help you with it. If you have a tournament and you somebody, you know, I don't have to assign your tournament but I will tell you how to run it. I will do your schedule and give you a template. When you have those attributes inside of you, people will respect you for who you are, not for something that a position made you. And so for me, you, you got to remember yourself, that humbleness, you're able to communicate in the same level prior to as you are now. And as you do all of those, you develop yourself as a good communicator, a good listener, a good uh Leader to 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 the to the things that, where you're trying to go while you're doing that particular job. Mm. So regardless of what job you're in, when you're for me, I can walk into a room and if it's if it's talking finance, I can tell you finance. If you're talking you're talking about signing, I can tell you a signing. If you're talking about running a tournament, I can tell you I can tell you what's going on in the bank. You understand? So if you really look at a person being diversified enough to be able to sit down and hold a conversation with a referee. And that referee told you he got his parking ticket and you can explain to him how to go through the steps of getting rid of that parking ticket. You just learned how to communicate outside of a basketball court. And that's the same thing you got to look at yourself as an assigner. As an assigner, you're our big brother. You got to be able to tell them about the ticket they got, what restaurant to go eat, and how to get to that game in time. And, And those are the things that you have to learn as you get better at it and the more that you get at it, you even know what referees, like I've said earlier, you know where people live. And, and one of the arts that I've always thought about with any time I'm assigning a league, I try to give guys games closer to home, especially when it's evening games, you know, uh, because I want them to get home. And I want them to get home as quickly as possible because I know how it was for myself, you know, and, and I take everything that I look at. I look at what I've experienced to what I want to share with others. So you never always be humble.
0: Now, in terms of, there's there's two other facets of officiating that I would love to hear your expertise on the communication part of it. When you're a, a camper at a camp, what's your best tips mm-hmm. for a communication when you're in that subsect? And also, conversely, when you're a clinician, what are the best tips to be very communicative to people that are attending the camp?
2: Well, first and foremost, as a clinician, when you... When you're going to speak to officials, you speak with sincerity, you speak with confidence, and you speak with care. And you want that official to know that you care for them. How you speak to them is how receptive they're going to be, how much enjoyment they're going to get out of your teaching. You don't demoralize as a communicator. You motivate as a communicator. You instill as a communicator. You project as a communicator, you know. So as a clinician, I always, they used to give me the mic, and I would say, come on, John, get back to the baseline, run the defense, see it, look at it, good call, come on out. And then if we'd go look at the tape, and I said, he said, Mr. B, I like the way you told me, and I was doing it, and I felt it. So when I go home and I hear the tape, it's like, I know I'm doing it. Somebody's telling me I did it. And that makes, and it's a win-win. Now they believe in you. You understand? Now, as a camper, you come in there, and you're nervous. The first thing you want to do is you want to greet the ones you know, and the ones you don't know you want to introduce yourself to. How you doing? I'm John Doe. I'm from so and so board so and so. How long you been officiating? Oh, I've been officiating. You just broke the ice. People know that you can communicate. But the thing with that is now you got to know when to cut it off, mm. and when certain people are sitting. And talking, you become a sponge. A big thing that I always tell people, you always hear people say we're going to camp. So three people get in the car and they go to the camp together. So every time you have a social, the same three people are always together. So I always tell folks when you go to camp, once you get on the camp, all three, you go to a different pocket. Because what you just learned from those three different pockets is now you just took those three different pockets and filtered your, your ride up to the camp, out to the whole camp. So everybody is communicating somewhat within the realm of what you drove up to that camp with. And what you're taking back from the camp is what you all learned in those different pockets. And you hear about the different areas. You're talking about Albany. You're talking about North New York. You're talking about New Jersey. You're talking about Philadelphia. And now you got the different – that guy was from Philly. He did X, Y, Z. He's in D D-League. All those little things come into the line of communication in a camp. And the one thing that when you see a camper, you'll get a camper that may come back and start talking about a clinician. When you see that, what you do is you tell the camper, you know, thanks, or you just ignore that camper. Don't get into it. And if you know that there's a, quote, unquote, as you say, a bullseye on the back because of his personality or her personality, that's something that you either can pull them one-on-one if you feel that you can communicate with them, And say, listen, this is not the place to be. You know what? Whatever it is, leave it alone. Stay positive. You're here to enjoy your camp. Take the high road because that person will look at you, especially if you reel that person back in. You have a lot of clinicians that will come at you, and they they come at you for certain reasons because they want you to be better. But if you can't take it, you know, sometimes you lose it. So then you lost it because they were testing you to see how you could take it. What if that coach is yelling at you in a big high school or college game? You know, and the one thing I always tell folks when you're communicating, especially as a camper, if a clinician comes over and say, you don't run back to the baseline, uh, when you come out to the, you come out to administer a file, your tone is very low. You know, the same way you popped your hand up in the air and you ran out there, you can't come out there like we talked about. Here's a 6'3 guy coming out, chest is out, he's in great shape, and he gets to the table and goes, wait, 21, you just lost it because the tone is not equal in the body. So now that's something that you got to practice on. So if I'm a clinician, I'm going to say, hey, your body looks great. You run the court, good whistle. You didn't administer good enough. You didn't show me the confidence that your body told me you had. Tell me to work on it. What you do as a as a camper is you turn around and he told you that in the first quarter and you come back out this, at the third quarter when the end of the third quarter, you're going to go back to that clinician and you're going to say, did I do it better? And if you say, did I do it better, that clinician's head just went up. He said, wow, because you just told him that you listened to his communication skills that you may not have liked, but you were concerned about it. And you came back asking in your communication line, how did I look? Was that a little bit better? And if you do that, you see yourself grow. Because people say the times that you don't think somebody's watching or listening is a time that people listen. And those are the times that you're recognized. And that's why your communication skills can't be, you know, today good and tomorrow bad. You got to work at it. And to me, I take a lot of pride in it. And I believe in that. I can communicate with anyone. If I like something or dislike something, I can take it and I like to give it. But I like to give it always in a positive. And if you give me something negative, I'm going to take it as a positive because I'm going to make sure that I feel the positiveness out of it. And that's part of communication, taking good out of it. Don't look at the bad.
0: Speaking of the good part, can you ever think of an official who just had just an exemplary way about them and their communications were so impeccable that they rose to uh, great heights and had great success? Um, Can you think of an anecdote that you can share about somebody who had just great communication skills and they, and they brought them a, a pretty far way?
2: I can tell you a couple, you know. Uh, I, I like to go back to Kevin Sparrick, which is who, one of the guys I introduced you to. And and uh, uh, another one is Sean Campbell, you know. Uh, great guys, uh, great corporate-minded individuals took the tour. There's a young man by the name of Greg Agar-Jones, lives down in Tampa now he's a partner at cape at at one of the big top five firms uh stopped officiating blew his knee out but one of the articulate young men that you would ever want to meet worked hard became a great official knees went out stayed in the corporate world and he moved up in the corporate world so uh i mean i can go on that i can sit here and say there's a few others that I can probably look at or get yelled at later on if I don't mention them. so <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, yes, there are great officials out there uh, that are listening. Uh, we got some new new ones that are coming up uh, that I'm working with uh, that I'm hoping to instill some more aggressiveness behind them and, and, and teaching them a lot of these little things that I'm talking that we're talking about now. So that they'd be seen more, that they'd be more accepted, and when they introduce themselves to those the the bigger pictures, their their communication skills would allow them to be that oh that standout person or that person who can can articulate besides run the court and and blow a whistle. Mm. So that's very important to me as well.
0: Yeah, and speaking of, we're gonna have our first installment of the referee roundtable starting tomorrow. Um, it's going to be a nice learning experience for both of us, and we're going to take our communication skills and try to see if we can, you know, mosey it over in a digital format. And I think what's interesting is that everyone's going to be in this new social setting, even though now it's kind of become a normal thing in within the officiating community to hop on these Zooms and kind of have this connectedness back in it. But um, we have a couple of young new officials that are going to be in it, and a lot of the subject matter is going to gear towards the season that we just had and everybody's experience and all the different ones that they had. Um, what do you expect out of it in terms of communication between us, us moderating it and, and the people that are attending the, the Zoom meeting?
2: Well, uh, I I, uh, I put it into three segments. And and the three segments, I give you the topics. And the topics were basically, how was your season? Some of you just passed your IEVO test. Some of you took a four exam. Uh, you did some rec ball. Some of you did high school ball. Some of you did JV ball. Some did junior college. Uh, so I have a good diverse group that I've invited, uh, females and males. One is out in I got them from Jersey, from Texas, uh, the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn. And I did that on purpose because I wanted everybody to, to know that they're coming from a distance, even though we're all on one line. So I do have thought process when I try to do things that I notice different because I want them to be the advertisement of where we're trying to go in this new communication world. And the whole thing is, you know, what are you doing? Like I said, the first segment is going to be what did you do during the, the winter season? And, and the reason why I said that because there are two people that just passed the IABO test and, and uh, they started working for me doing rec-, rec ball. And I want to hear them talk about it because I want to let them share a little bit about their experience to let people see that they're listening and, and then we got a couple that did some junior college and I want them to talk about their experience because that experience that they had is just going to take them to the next level the next piece or the next segment that we're going to do uh, we're going to do about pandemic what are we doing now You know, wh- how are you communicating with other officials how are you communicating with yourself you know What steps are you taking to hear somebody to ask that question? What are you doing during the pandemic? And they sit there and they say, well, um, you know, I'm just reading my referee book. Great job. You know, some. uh, Well, I don't know. You know, uh, we will try to pull it out to hear that conversation, because those who may not be really engaged in the book or looking at film and they hear enough about it, they're going to realize that's part of what they need to be doing at this time. And it's not to knock them down if they haven't been doing it, but it's something to give an eye wake up, you know, it's ring the bell. Oh, these are what I should be doing. Okay. I've been doing it enough. So maybe you need to do a little bit more. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then uh, for myself, I mean, you know, what are we looking forward to this summer? You know, it, it, it may appear not to be any summer wreck ball, you know, so what are we going to do? And one of the things that I plan on doing is I'm going to, you know, we're going to do these three round tables and, and then maybe what we'll do is we'll set up something that we'll do a camp. And how we do a camp, we do a PowerPoint, you know, presentation with it, and we'll talk it the same way we're doing a round table. A round table's is more to hear people's communication, how they can communicate. And then when we sit back and say if we have to go into a camp setting, what do you do when you first get to a camp? Let's hear it. And we'll practice communication skills, and we'll practice thought process. And how do you process this? So now if you don't get to a camp until September, because that's when we open back up, you won't have to think about what to do. You would already know it, because that would be part of my communication to that body of people that we do a visual camp with. So with that said, there's things that we can do with the the tools that we have now to work with. Uh, Again, the majority of it comes from what? Communication. Communication.
0: That's that's the best way to tie it in. And I'll say, um, first of all, it's a pleasure that we're going to be doing this Foundations of Officiating because you know now, and that's how my brain works. I kind of have to hear you, and then I can kind of get into a new vortex of thinking more creatively of, of different. You know, that's my realm, Bernard. Don't don't take my realm out of me. Uh, but you know, I feel completely comfortable with um, communicating with you in a long form in in a multiple multiple part. Uh, podcast because I know that you can really carry the brunt of the, the communication and to know that you're going to be able to you know have the right words for everyone to really understand what, what we're trying to do. So I appreciate your time. Um, looking forward to the next one. I already know what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is off the air. Is there anything that you want to tie in or any final words you want to say about uh, communication or anything else before we part ways?
2: Well, I, I can only say this. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Derek Madry, uh, that I helped train. And as we both know, uh, he introduced me to you because he talks very highly of me. And, and, uh, I take a lot of pride in what I do and the way that I communicate. And because of him, you and I met, uh, I see a lot of potential in you. Uh, and I don't mind sharing my knowledge and my experience to help you be, be a better person, a bigger person totally confident of who I am so my communication skills is about how do I motivate the next person how do I get the most out of that next person and if I can get something out of you that I think that's going to make you a better person I've done my job and, and working with you and your creativity my experience or my knowledge that I'm openly willing to share and give it's all about teamwork it's all about communicating and it's all about sharing so I thank you for, you know, allowing me to be part of what you're doing. And I see a lot of potential in you. Uh, as I said to you before, these are the things why I may be harder on you at times, mm-hmm. because I know that there's certain things in you that I see and I feel. And I want to see you succeed at whatever you're doing.
0: I appreciate that. I'm very humbled by those words, man. And I, like I said, I look forward to tomorrow. And I also look forward into, you know, really getting into the nitty gritty of, of completing this project. But for Bernard Bowen Sr., my man. For Bernard Bowen Sr., this is Ralph the Ref. This is Tales from the Third Team. This is the Foundations of Officiating. We're out of here. Peace.